There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. And we're good. Hey again, Craig here, cyber attacking the main feed with another bonus transmission of Behind the Tavern. Behind the Tavern is where the simulations, uh, I mean actors and creators of Hello from the Magic Tavern, drop their on-air personas and offer fascinating, is that right, fascinating? Okay, insight into how episodes of this unique show are made. Normally these episodes are exclusive to Stitcher Premium, so if you like this one and want to hear more, along with past series such as Offices and Bosses, Earth Games, and all the other awesome bonus stuff in the works, go to stitcherpremium.com and sign up for a free premium trial with the promo code MAGIC. Now. Enjoy this free bonus content. Welcome to Behind the Tavern. Welcome to the Behind the Tavern. This is Matt Young. (laughs) Glad to have you here in today's episode. Today we have two very special guests. We, of course, have Rush Home. We like to start this show as low energy as possible. We like to start the show with Matt doing his Anna Gasteyer impression. (laughs) Yeah. We're basically going through the early episodes, talking to the people that were in them, sort of going through memories of what it was like starting the podcast. Uh, We're very excited. Today we're going to talk about the second recording session, the first two episodes we recorded together, and then when it was time to be like, hey, let's really do this podcast, we were reaching out to people that we were really excited to have on. And episode three was... When did we stop doing that? Uh, Right after this. Everyone after, we just opened a phone book and stabbed at it. So we're going to talk to two people. But first, before anybody talks, I think what we should do for Brooke Bright, who plays Flower. I feel like, Brooke, you should talk as Flower first before you talk as yourself. Yeah. So, and I think originally, like, Flower kind of came into her own as we went along. Like, the first Flower was, oh, you know, a little bit more like. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And then I kind of forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And then, Brooke, what is your real voice? And then my real voice is terribly shocking to people. (laughs) (laughs) Upsetting, even. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. I've yeah. had so many people who say that they're fans of the show describe what they think you look like mm-hmm. as the exact opposite of what you are. <laughs> Take that <laughs> in, in a million well. different ways. Yeah, yeah that's so funny. it's always yes. funny to to be like, no, she's a very, a very tiny uh, white woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always say, I don't know. I think Flower is a giant electrified dinosaur, <laughs> and like, they're also no. not wrong. You're all wrong. It's yeah. who you think you are. I know that um, when starting to make the character choice and by character choice I mean stupid fucking voice that it was I literally thought like what's the dumbest thing I could sound like so that's what it was okay do me next Arnie you processed air somewhat efficiently tell her thank you thank you I do I do process air fairly efficiently. Would somewhat. You, not somewhat. Like, there's more you could be doing. 
the voice you did where you said like you used to sound like this was yeah. almost like a like a hey you guys you want to play stickball like, yeah like a, what is that like Brooklynite like the, Brooklynite the girl that tries to be in the gang in West Side Story oh there you go <laughs> it's and, kind of anybody, anybody's is that character's name anybody's yeah really yeah that's a true fact from West Side Story people when people ask us about like what goes into figuring out who should be on the podcast a lot of it is honestly just try, thinking about different energies or different like types of things where it's like, oh, you know, we haven't had a real heady thing or we haven't had a real this or that. And I remember after the first couple episodes. And when did that stop? Uh, that stopped right <laughs> after this session. Uh, I remember when we were like, who should be our third guest? I was like, we should just have something fun and silly and high energy. And so and that's why we should definitely have Brooke on. Because uh, we performed with you a bunch in World News, and you're just always like very fun and big energy, and and we just sort of thought that that would be a great like next place to go with the podcast. I love that you thought it was gonna, it was going to bring a big fun energy, and instead I came in as a suicidal flower <laughs> that ends up being thrown off a cliff because I pissed you off so much by the end of the episode. But that is its own big fun That's energy. That's the gift. That's the the <laughs> risk you take and the the reward you reap i do want to real quick uh i i actually tracked a real quick listen to the episode i want to real <laughs> quick uh, check twitter on my phone no i uh looked up the email that i sent you oh god about yeah. uh this email is from february 18th 2015 brooke exclamation point i'm starting a really weird podcast i spelled weird wrong and it seems right up it? your alley uh, w e r i d. Woof. Uh, I, and I play was my still on board. Yeah. And then I pretty much kind of uh, set out what the premise of the show is. We're going to record a few episodes this Saturday. Can I hear what you put for the premise? Was it basically your intro? I've fallen through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King and into a magical Narnia esque world. I host a weekly podcast from a tavern in that world, chatting with knights and monsters. There's a lot of typos <laughs> in this and random royalty. So far, Adel has been a talking badger, young as a wizard. Waltine has been a prince pretending to be a common, poor traveling actor. I'd love to have you on if you're interested. We're going to record a few episodes this Saturday between noon and three. <laughs> this is the kind of details people want. Would you be free to maybe be on one of them? And what would you want to be? And Brooke, do you remember what your other pitches were? I besides? only remember two of them. I remember the the flower with a bad attitude, mm -hmm. and then something about a lady of the lake. The first one was lady of the lake. Maybe super awkward. Doesn't leave the lake much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we gotta. I know we gotta have that on. We gotta have that on. I mean. Oh. And then uh, your second one was a super nasty and hateful talking flower. Yeah. And then your third one was insecure princess, possibly a drug problem. <laughs> Honestly, with Lady of the Lake, like I love flower. I think we missed out on it. Still time. Like, yeah, I'm around. Do Lady of the Lake. Let's do it. In my response, I was like, I like them all. The princess one literally just because it was right after a prince episode right. with Waltine. I did not. I didn't reference Lady of the Lake at all. So we fucked up. Yeah, because everybody hates flour. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when you recorded with us, it, was there like a mentality either coming in or leaving where you're like, oh, this is like weird? Or like, do you remember what that what that session was like for you? I, I know for me, I was terrified of fucking up what you guys were doing because I didn't understand what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So coming in because it was very like, I don't know, it's like this thing. And then you guys were so open of like, it could be whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come in strong. So the whole time it was like, I'm going to trust you kind of like mm -hmm. if you're if you're fucking and there's a safe word that like someone's going to like <laughs> call, perfect analogy. call the yeah. safe word and go, oh, okay, like too much. Mm, mm, stop. And the fact that like it was so joyful all the way through was like, oh, okay. Like this was, it truly could be whatever it was going to be. It was so fun. And honestly, one of the things I hear or read the most when people talk about the podcast is there's sort of like, uh, when I heard episode three with Flower, that's when I knew I had to keep listening to the podcast. There are actually, so, I take that, Waltine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fuck you, Steve Waltine. That's the funny thing, though. I, I also I think people say that about yeah. Russia's episode. I think the Mittens episode mm -hmm. for a lot of people is like is also that. I think sometimes it's like episode ten where we first like really do the bunker, the mm -hmm. space bunker. 
I think there are a few in that first run of like 10 or 12 that people are like, that's the one that clicked for me. And it's not always the same one. I feel or like sometimes I hear, they say the first episode and there's specifically one joke. The fingering the spider. Fingering the spider. Yeah. For some reason, everyone's like, as soon as I heard fingering a spider. Was that from the first episode? That's, a first that's episode. the first episode. Oh. I feel like I hear mostly from second episode on, people are like, get past the first episode. And to me, it's so funny because like on social media, people will be like, uh, the first episode's a little rough, and then they find their footing, and it's like, yeah, it's the fucking first episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you want? Like, we, we're we just figuring it out. But it, they're always like, uh, yeah, first episode, which is like all of 18 minutes or something. Rush, I sent you, I realized, almost an identical email. Honestly, might have copy and pasted it. Yeah. So well, this was, is Rush Howell from episode four, who plays Larry Birdman. Larry Birdman. Let's hear Larry Birdman's voice. Uh, that's That's just basically my voice. And now Rush's voice? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> say there's much difference. Now, Rush, what voice would you use if you were an angry flower? Uh, I'm an angry flower. Come to get you. <laughs> wow, I should have gone with that lady of the lake. We're going to put a deep filter on that. <clears throat> when I emailed Rush, Rush responded, sure, sounds great. First thought is I'm a common poor traveling actor pretending to be a prince, but I'll see if I can come up with something better. <laughs> Take that, Waltine. Other thought is I run on you. some sort of absurd sport invented by the author of this Narnia-esque tale, and the rules of the sport suck, make no sense, and I'm really frustrated by it. <laughs> that that's worked right. out. That's, that's where we ended up. Yeah. One of the ways that we are really opposite people is that you remember things and numbers. <laughs> and also and it, height. And, it, and also height. It always amazes me. Like, I, I'm sure some of the rules of mittens uh, you had originally, like before you came in, uh, but it also seemed like you were throwing out numbers and actually remembering them in a way that most improvisers can't do. Yeah, I, I, I did not have any of the rules um, planned out, mm-hmm. which was a mistake. Like, I probably should have done that. <laughs> Unlike most people, when, when we came in and recorded our first, you couldn't even listen to an episode, right? Yeah. So we knew the, the premise, but that was kind of hard to, you know, totally understand, like, where it would go or, or how it would work. And and so all I knew that was that I I, I mean I, I love Harry Potter but I think Quidditch is just so stupid yeah and it cracks me up when like J.K. Rowling defends it you know it means it's like a nonsensical game where mm-hmm. like the snitch is all that matters yeah and then you know there there can be like perverse incentives in Quidditch where your team is trailing by more than it would you know if ca- catching the snitch ends the game but you would still lose yeah so it's like what what is the Why point of this you, game yeah. it's like you know it doesn't make any sense. And so um, that was really all I had in mind. And then I was I was suddenly having to like describe the rules of the game, and just kind of got lucky that I didn't say anything that was that couldn't work, you know. Yeah. And but it was really just like for for two and a half minutes, we made up the stupid rules of it. And then I knew the one thing I knew was there would be one scoring thing that just ruined the game for for Larry Birdman, and he would just hate it because he himself had been a great player prior to the. Um, the advent of that rule. So let's put it this way. All right. Um, you're on a field. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about 2,000 yards long uh, between 2000 and 2007, depending on which of the fields you play on. Uh, it's about nine yards wide. So very narrow field. Wow. Um, each team is uh, comprised of 31 individuals. Uh, you have a Baskin. You have uh, what we call a quarterback, which you won't understand. No. Uh, there's a Baskin. There's 19 Hillsmans. And then there's 10 what we call miscellaneous. And the miscellaneous, they can do all sorts <laughs> Wait, of... miscellaneous? Yes. Miscellaneous. There's 10 of them. There's, there's 19 Hillsmen. Okay. You have, uh, you, you have a Baskin, 19 Hillsmen. Okay. 10 miscellaneous and then the quarterback. The do the miscellaneous just do assorted things? No, all of the other people do. The miscellaneous have one specific task that's very specific. <laughs> the miscellaneous are there to uh, basically distract and try to assist the Baskin in performing the Baskin task. And what is the Baskin task? Now, the goal of the Baskin is to get the potted flower from one end of the, the pitch, we call it the pitch, to the other end of the pitch. And if the Baskin takes a potted flower across 2,000 yards and gets it to the other end, that is one point. 
Now, my principal problem with the game is if a bird comes near the field and you catch it, that's 700 points. That's a lot of, that seems like a lot of Didn't fire. invent the rules, don't like that rule. It seems like the team that catches a bird always wins. But it is exciting. This is another in a series of me not getting a joke until much later. Was calling it the FML, is that intentionally a fuck my life yes. thing? No, that's what I, I didn't get that for a while. Was mittens derived from anything? Uh, I did know before I went in that would be the name, and mm-hmm. I just wanted an, like the stupidest like kind of non-sport like type name that you could come up where it would just be mm-hmm. like, wh- it, you know, this is a game. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think maybe I was like, I want the acronym to be FML. And mm-hmm. so they needed a, a stupid word that started with M. Mittens gotcha, is a gotcha. very like cozy, adorable word that seems right. doesn't Mittens seem on like kittens, yeah. yeah. Now, Rush. The other thing I I think part of what makes you such a natural for this character and this premise is you are to say that you're like a sports fan is to put it lightly. Like you participate in one of the craziest invented, fantasy right? and inventive fantasy sports leagues I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started a thing called the All Sports Fantasy League, and I waste a lot of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, thinking about sport. My dad was a sports agent. I know your dad was a super successful uh, basketball coach. You went the other way, whereas I was mm-hmm. I, I was super into sports like and forever. Your dad managed uh, Mark Price, right? Yeah, that was like his first big basketball client, and Emmett Smith and some other people like oh, that. Oh, holy so, shit! I didn't know Emmett Smith. Yeah, so he was a sports agent for many years, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm a, yeah definitely a huge sports fan. Do you mind talking a little bit about the fantasy, the all fantasy sports league? No, sure. It's uh, <clears throat> like I said, it's, I started it. Uh, now we're in our 12th season and it's 10 sports and it goes all year round. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it really is. It's, it's stupidly complex as mittens, except yeah. I, I think the, the, <laughs> the rules all work with can it. You, can you list the sports? I know it's like golf and tennis and yeah, so all it's the, the major. It's like the four pro sports. Um, plus college football and college basketball, and then golf, tennis, uh, European soccer, and NASCAR. So we wanted to have 10 sports. <laughs> and you draft, like, teams in some sports and then individual players in others, right? Yeah, so just NASCAR, golf, and, and uh, tennis, you would you would pick the players. But so the, the thought was that, you know, in fantasy football, it's I don't like how I own the quarterback, but he throws the pass, and uh, I own one of the receivers, and my opponent owns the other one. So it's not even like I don't know whether I'm cheering for completion or not. And it's more fun to just be like, I own the Philadelphia Eagles. I know what I'm cheering for. Like, I want the Eagles to win. And so um, in order to do that, I had to combine a bunch of sports. It actually kind of came up because I'm a huge, huge, huge Roger Federer fan, and I wanted to be able to do a tennis fantasy league. And I didn't think you could really do one unless you married in a bunch of other sports. And I just had this, like, kind of epiphany one day where I, I came up with most of the league in about, like, three or four hours and most of the rules, and then got a bunch of people, and surprisingly, they wanted to do it, and we've been doing it for uh, years and years since, but uh, it's like the world's dumbest uh, waste <laughs> waste of time, but I love it. At what point were you like, you know what, I think this can work, but I'm going to have to include NASCAR? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like the, mo- that's the, the controversy, right, is like a lot of people wouldn't want it in there. There are a few reasons why having 10 sports works. At that time, though, like NASCAR was the second most popular sport sport behind football in the mm-hmm. U.S. under certain metrics. And I didn't really know anything about NASCAR. Now I know a lot about NASCAR, and I don't think that's, like, enhanced my life in any way. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I wouldn't totally be opposed to taking it out. But what what, what I like now is you have four pro sports, uh, three individual sports, and then three what we call limitless sports because there's so many teams available in college football, college basketball, and, and soccer. And those are divided up, and you try to win. You can win a bonus if you win all the individual sports. So, Taking NASCAR out would have um, ramifications, and there's a game you ever play, Tigris and Euphrates. You ever, anybody ever play that board game? Probably not. I know of it. It has a scoring system that I, I thought was cool, where you win that game, you, you, you compete in four different um, categories, mm-hmm. and the winner of the game is whoever does the best in their worst category. So if my score is seven, seven, six, and seven, I would beat you if your score is ten, ten, one, and ten, because all you count is your worst score. So in the All Sports Fantasy League, my favorite rule in it is there's something called the balance bonus where you get a lot of extra points if you have the best score in your worst sport. And so uh, taking NASCAR out would kind of mess that up mm-hmm. too. So anyway, that's that's more than anyone wants to hear. No, that's Sports super Fantasy cool. League. That's really awesome. I would like to uh, – and for, for Rush and Brooke, I know like Rush um, for three years now, maybe, maybe around three years – Rush DMs a D&D game that I'm a part of, which I consider, if, if that D&D game was a podcast, I think it would be one of the funniest D&D podcasts ever made. 
Um, that's how and, that's how good a job Rush does. And I'll say one of my biggest regrets of the last couple of years that I of all the things like I did not have time to do. I remember you asking me when you started it if I could play. I was like, I know Matt, I'm going to regret well. this. <laughs> I know I'm going to regret not playing in this game. And I don't like it's not out of a deep desire to play Dungeons and Dragons, just <laughs> yes. knowing that it would have been it would have been fun. super fun. Yeah. yeah, it's like what I look forward to the most every week. Uh, but, uh, but but uh, after doing this podcast, probably. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask like uh, w- with Rush and like I know like your D and D background, and, like I know what you what you read and everything. And and Brooke, I, I have no idea how big into like fantasy are are the two of you in terms of like. Do you consume a lot of that? Is that something you had like uh, a filter in your head for or like any sort of stock uh, ideas? Um, I know for me, I like growing up, I loved fantasy. Like I was um, a big Wrinkle in Time fan. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think the the one video that I would force my parents to rent from Blockbuster every week was The NeverEnding Story. So you made it a never ending story. I did I truly made it a never ending story. Um but yeah, there's elements of that and I love those kinds of things and I'm really into a little show called The Magicians right now. Oh yeah. Uh which is fantastic. Yeah, I've read, I've I read the books, that, but I, I, I read the first two books and I think that was one of the things rumbling around in the back of my head when I mm-hmm. when we were thinking about starting this podcast. Especially near the end of that first book. When they end up in Fillory, I think is the name mm-hmm. of the yeah, and the the show has just gone in totally. Mm-hmm. I, I like, and it kind of again mirrors what what we do. I believe in a way, if there's like a little bit of self awareness, but then also just huge jumps and not afraid to make big moves and and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that's. I mean, but beyond that, like, yeah, I'm fine with fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny that like uh, you kind of play a character that you don't need any knowledge of fantasy. Which is the right? way I like to root myself. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, some of our, like, most beloved by fans and ourselves characters are people who are like, I'm not in fantasy. I want to play a talking something or other. But also you do, like, you, I mean, I know we share a lot of the same TV interests, good and bad. And, yes. like, you're really into weird fantasy and You're talking sci-fi. about Big Brother, right? Well, and also Big Brother. <laughs> oh, I like Big Brother. I love okay. Could Big Brother replace NASCAR? <laughs> yeah, I would, I, I would not be against that. that. I mean, that would be so great. Because how many people are in the all-fantasy fantasy league? The all-sports fantasy league, we have 15 teams, but there's probably close to 30 people because most, most teams have two people because it, again, goes year-round. If you had to guess, what percentage of them would be furious if you <laughs> took out something and replaced it with Big Brother? Oh, all of them. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah. everyone. I, I do think you could have an all t- like all TV fantasy league because, like, again, Big Brother. You can't make a good fantasy game off Big Brother because if you have a ten-person draft mm-hmm. or whatever, each person gets one person, maybe yeah. two, and then your person goes out and it's not fun anymore. But if you've got 12 different shows that are all part of it, you know. So that was kind of the concept. Here's what we do. We start a new podcast that's basically fantasy Big Brother in terms of like it's all weird creatures in a Big Brother house. And that's the that's the podcast. Every episode's an hour. And it's just the shenanigans that happen in the house as one by one they vote each other out. <laughs> have I ever told you guys? I mean, have I ever told so, you guys? So, so, so maybe? maybe. Have I ever told you guys that for a long time I thought we should do an episode where spin tax is on Big Brother? <laughs> you yeah. did say that. Yeah. You mentioned that, yeah. And I feel like I even like it's not crazy that we could get some Big Brother people to be on. Oh, my God. Let's do it. I mean, it's a lot of work to put for? together, but I still think that Worth would be it. pretty great. Be great. One of the downsides is that Charlie has never seen a second of Big Brother, which that is makes maybe it not better. a I think that's better. I yeah. think the less, and that goes back to the whole, like, the, yeah, the less you're thinking about it and the more you're actually just <laughs> trying to respond to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be good for him. Can I circle back? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. To, to Rush, what like how well-versed you are in fantasy in terms of have you always played D&D? Have you like, no. since a kid kind of thing? No, I, I always I loved um, the advanced Dungeons & Dragons like gold box computer games. Like right. I, I loved uh, video games as a kid. And so I, I would play those and that was my introduction into like D&D. I think when I was a kid, I would have, you know, been like, well, I don't want to, D&D is not cool. I don't want to do that. Um, so you're a bit of a cool boy? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I was, I just played on my computer instead. <laughs> Super cool. Uh, but I, there was like a stigma. And I, so I didn't really play until after college. And then I have had a couple chances too. But I, I always liked um, fantasy games were like my favorite, like RP, like classic RPG games. And then uh, in, in college, I took a class, a religion class that was like fantasy literature. And I love that class. Oh, wow. And that was, I had not read the Lord of the Rings until college and, and just thought that was terrific. And then, you know, I, I, I probably read like one fantasy series a year. So I'm not like, uh, I don't imbibe like everything that's out there, but I've I, seen Name of the Wind on your, <clears throat> on your kitchen counter. Sure. Read that. And I've read The Magicians. I've read, like I said, I probably do like one series a year. And then like I, I kind of gave up on the Robert Jordan stuff, but that was, I really enjoyed that for a whole summer. And, I like that you're like, I'm not a big fantasy person, but I only <laughs> read about three to 12 fantasy books right. a year. <laughs> right. No, I, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, I love it. I'm over it. here like books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Books do what? And I, I know, not to, this isn't putting you on blast or anything, but Rush but is. Fuck you. But fuck you. <laughs> but Rush is a coward in a, in a fuck face. Rush is a uh, lawyer full time. Right. Do you, just because I'm curious, like in your day to day as a lawyer, the two of you are two of the funniest humans I've ever met in my life. It's fascinating that, that you're a, a lawyer for your day job. There's some do dogs you, you've met that are a lot funnier <laughs> than <laughs> Do you <laughs> use improv at all in in your work? Because I know you're like you, we talked about how you remember all the rules of mittens. Like your your brain is like a steel trap. Like, do you use that to your advantage as uh, in your profession? I think that there are significant advantages to having done all the improv that I did in in my job. Because I'm a trial lawyer, I'm on my feet a fair amount. I try a fair amount of cases. And obviously, like, legal writing and legal preparation for an argument is totally different than improv. It couldn't be more opposite, right? Because in, if I'm going up for an argument, I've read tons of cases, I've memorized a ton of stuff, and I, I know exactly what I plan to say. But then improv really helps, I think, in two ways. The first is I'm just much more comfortable than the average lawyer just because it's like the Malcolm Gladwell stuff, right? Like, I've had the thousands mm -hmm. of hours on mm -hmm. my feet in front of an audience, uh, having things go badly and having to figure out how to respond. Also, like... You just learn how to read an audience. Uh, and so hopefully I, I'm decent at being able to tell when a judge is buying an argument when he's not. When he's not laughing. You know, or you it, turn it, it on. Yeah, or if, she, or if he or she's getting <laughs> tired. Sure, he's not you know, <laughs> getting any of my bits. Right. And, and I, like, after a case, you ever like, oh, I don't know. I really felt like I pandered to that, uh, <laughs> that yeah. jury. Yeah. These summations could be a lot more physical. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we, we, we give notes to each other right afterwards for a while. But uh, <laughs> more evidence work. Yeah. Right. But the, the other, I mean, the other aspect of it is it is better if you can think on your feet. And uh, a lot of young lawyers are great if they don't get asked any questions that they weren't anticipating, right? If they, if they can just go up and give their 30-minute presentation exactly how they had it, they, they kill it. But if the judge says, yeah, no, I got it. I read your brief. But my question is this. There's a lot of, like, freezing, and you see people struggle with that sometimes. So I think I had a uh, significant advantage from from improv. And then I certainly don't try to overdo this, right? But I, I do try to use a little bit of humor in order to build a rapport with the judge or the jury over the course of a trial as well. So you don't want to be the guy doing, you know, a joke every hour. But if you can do one or two things where they'll remember it, then that's a good way of humanizing yourself in there and, and maybe even <clears throat> helping with your witness so that the jury will be like, oh, right, that was that guy. He did that thing uh, because they remember kind of strange things. Is can, can you give us a taste of as accurate as you can muster a Rush Howell court humor moment? <laughs> I mean, I could, but, you know, 
I had a guy like that works with me, like one of my partners, and he was like, you know, I told that joke that you told in in court, and it just didn't go that well. And I was like, right, that's because it's like context. It's a moment. Also, fuck that guy. (laughs) No, no, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, well, also, you're not funny. But no, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, was it Steve Waltine? It was Waltine. (laughs) Take that, Waltine. Take it. Yeah, it's like first. I also, also you're not a lawyer, Steve. Why, what were you even doing out there? Come on. I also don't want to put Brooke on blast, but she cannot hold a job. <laughs> <laughs> what did, I just saw a commercial of yours. Geico? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It was you and uh, oh, thank Thomas you. Kelly. It was you and Thomas. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. shopping for nice. a yard sale. Look, I want to hear this legal joke. <laughs> uh, even if we don't get it. While you're thinking of that, from, from both of you, how often have you been on the set of a commercial? Rush, how often have you been in court? And a judge or another actor is like, Magic Tavern? That was a joke. No. Because <laughs> nobody knows who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Although not to kind of like pimp you into a story. Also, please always set up every single thing that you guys are saying with, not to put you on the not spot. To blame. Not, not to put you to, on the not Just to, do it. Just not do to it. Interview not to blame, you, but blame. But it is harder when we're ourselves and we're just not <laughs> like we, we don't have, we can't hide behind the thin veil of being like, thin my veil? character is just a. The uh, fucking weirdo dumb dumb. <laughs> Not to like exaggerate our success, which I think people maybe think is more than it is. But I remember like when the podcast first started to kind of rumble into some public consciousness, at least in Chicago, I feel like Flower was definitely something that people were really excited about and talked about. And I, f- I swear I heard a story about you, I don't, do you know what I'm talking about? A yeah, casting? that I had an audition one time where it was for like some cartoon show, like a, that would have been on like a cartoon network and, or something. And they asked, they were like, oh, we specifically asked for you because we want you to do that voice. And it was like the flower, they want a flower type for this part, which I believe was a tree stump. <laughs> so it was like, I know. Yeah. We, ripped, uh, we ripped off flower. We ripped off we flower. It's a tree play. stump. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a totally different, it was a really bizarre show. And then like, of course, in a classic move of my life, did the audition and then never heard a goddamn thing. So <laughs> I was like, this is okay? No, great. Okay. I know that Joey Romaine, who played the transdimensional <laughs> delivery man in the first 30 episodes. So funny. He told me he lives out in L.A. and he told me he auditioned for an HBO show and that he auditioned and it went pretty good. And then after he was done, he started to leave. And the casting director was like for HBO was like, sorry, before you leave, I'm so sorry to ask you this. This is so weird. Are you the transdimensional delivery man? And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> would you mind? My husband and I are big Magic Tavern fans. Would you? I think she had him take a picture or record something. Or I can't remember what it was. But he called me freaking out, being like, that was the coolest. And I'm like, did you get the thing? And he's like, no. (laughs) The only time that it really ever happens to me is usually if I'm at a convention for something, Mm -hmm. usually for work. And it's when I'm talking to somebody and someone hears my voice walking by. But beyond that, really never, except I have a handful of times had someone come over and be like, excuse me, are you on your knee camp? And it's always in a fast food restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always just like, oh, so, God so at work? damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, are you on a knee camp? And also I'll take a number five. <laughs> I've had a few times on the phone. Once when I was in New Orleans and a few times in Chicago where somebody's like, like I, I'm at a bar and someone's like, how do I know your voice? And I'm like drunk and I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, I know your voice. I'm like, I don't know. dude. <laughs> I always take it the wrong way where I'm like, get out of my fucking what? business. You take yeah. the, something the wrong way? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they're like, are you? Do you do Magic Tavern? And I've had it in, in New Orleans. I was calling for an escape room to make a reservation, and I made the reservation. At the very end of the call, he goes, great, so you're all set for 8 p.m. Is this out or five from Hello from Magic Tavern? I'm like, yes. Yes. Wow. I guess good, I, good, good I feel, to hear. I feel like Arnie gets recognized by sight. I get recognized by voice, and Matt doesn't get recognized because he doesn't sound like. <laughs> Nobody gives a single shit about anything I ever do. No, people care about you, but they just don't recognize your voice. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've never, yeah. I didn't mean that. No, I didn't take take it that way at all. No, no. It's just funny. I've never had the experience of even like that audition thing. Like it appears like not be part of my life. This is, uh, I will tell an embarrassing story about myself. I went to shoot a commercial up in Minneapolis. And, and I it, shit how embarrassing. And it, was, and, it was early, and it was early on in the success of the podcast, and I was letting it go to my head just enough <laughs> that when I showed up on set, the other person who was on, in the commercial with me were just sort of like chatting and getting ready in the morning. And I was like, well, you know, I'm on this show. It's 
Hello from the Magic Tavern's podcast, pretty popular. And then this person was like, oh, cool. Well, I write Disney cartoons. And I uh, and he was like listed off his resume that was like a thousand times more impressive than mine. I was like, ah, oh, cool. Well, <laughs> I know my place is still nowhere. <laughs> uh, one of the funny uh, – also, Brooke and Rush, thank you for coming in to listen to our stories. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying I, it. W- one of my favorites, <laughs> I was on uh, the red line in Chicago and – I was wearing a Usador T-shirt, and this guy—I just saw this guy looking at it, and looking at it, and finally he said, "Like, hey, what's uh, what's the story with that shirt?" And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, "What is even?" <laughs> I didn't even want to bother. <laughs> it's sort of like this is going to be a long it's cascade a of explaining things. <laughs> this looked like a person that probably didn't even like. I was like, "Oh God, I'm going to probably have to explain what a podcast is." period, let alone like the premise of this thing. So I kind of gave like an abbreviated thing. Like literally there was a minute of being like, yeah, yes, it's, it's sort of like a radio, but you can listen to it whenever. And then, yeah, and this is a character and this is a long thing that he says. And the guy very that like, man, John Cusack, <laughs> he was sort of smiling and nodding. And, and then uh, he said, okay, um, would you mind if I told you a little about Jesus Christ? Yeah. Oh, no. oh no, that was his end. Oh yeah, I mean that it makes sense. End. Just like it, some something on a T-shirt, right? Who's asking about your shirt? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Rush, you ready with a sweet, sweet lawyer joke? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. That hopefully, you'll cut it for time. But uh, I, I remember I had a witness, and he, it was important that uh, the judge kind of like him because he was going to do an important part of this, you know, the testimony that we needed. And he had told me a story. His last name was Hooper. And he told me a story about how he really hates to be called Hopper. And it was kind of a weird story because he was like a cop pulled him over and said, all right, Mr. Hopper. And he was like, my name is Hooper. <laughs> and he was like, really gave it to the cop. And I was like, that's the wrong time. To, yeah. You know, stand, wrong hill to die on. <laughs> right. Stand on your. Um. <laughs> so I get up there and I'm just about to introduce him to the court. And I don't know why I did this, but I just said, uh, your honor, this is uh this is Mr. Hooper. He's with, uh, you know, the firm that he's with. And then I just stopped for a second and said, you know, I'll be careful not to call him Mr. Hopper because he hates that, he told me. In fact, he said one time he got pulled over by a, a policeman who called him Mr. Hopper and he got furious and said, my name is Hooper. It's not Hopper. Don't get that wrong. You know, the judge kind of smiled a little bit. You know, like the way that when you're doing an improv show, you know that like you've just bought enough leash to then do a joke and it'll <laughs> and it, it'll work. <laughs> So I said, just making it up on the spot, I go, yeah. And and the uh, the policeman turned around and said, hey, that's no problem. I mean, I, I get pretty mad if somebody called me a state tropper. And, <laughs> you know, which I, I, hadn't, I hadn't planned to say. And <laughs> most jokes in the courtroom are like self-deprecating, obvious, like pandering. Mm-hmm. And they get like, ha-ha, you know. And, but that one, like everyone cracked up. Like the yeah. judge cracked up, even the witness. And then also, so all of a sudden I had accomplished like what I wanted to. Not that that really mattered, but yeah. I think at least it got everybody focused. And relaxed. Yeah, probably. relaxed. Yeah. And then the witness did like a terrific job. And I sat back down, and, and the partner who's kind of my mentor who I've worked with for years and years, we got to a break, and he's like, I mean, that was hilarious, but I cannot believe you did not run that joke by me that you were going to take, like, because <laughs> it's pretty aggressive to, like, yeah, to do, like, a full joke in the courtroom, right? It's yeah. a full yeah. setup, punchline, right. hypothetical <laughs> right. premise. Very rare that <laughs> you would play. see that. And he was like, why didn't you run that by me? And I was like, oh, I, I had no plans to do that. But that's like the improv, right? So mm. you could just – I mean, you know how it is. Like you can just sometimes feel that you have the right leash and the and the atmosphere is just right to be able to pull off that joke. I mean, it's not a good joke, right? It's like <laughs> a stupid half pun. But, you know – But you'd earn the goodwill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and I think, again, it's like – you know, you watch the improv show or what we all hate hearing about, right, is like the Saturday Night Live when people are like, my favorite is when they break. I just <laughs> love when they break. And But it was that kind of thing where, you know, people laugh more when you can tell that the person has just thought of the thing mm-hmm. and is kind of amusing themselves with it. So uh, that was that was one moment that I remember. I have one that went like very poorly oh. uh, much earlier in my career. And uh, that's the only time I've ever had one that I was like, whoops, you know, <laughs> oh, no. dial that one back. Um but for the most part, you know, I try to use it very sparingly, certainly no more than once a day mm-hmm. in like a six-hour court day. 
but just enough to where the, hopefully the judge will like me a little bit more if he or she is a you know comedy fan. I do all. love the idea, though, if you drop that joke, the the state dropper one, and then just was like, your witness. Like, <laughs> just like, don't even question them. <laughs> like, joke killed, right. end of story, drop just, the mic. Just grab, the, grab the gavel and grab, grab the it. Gavel yeah. Or you yeah. just do a weird <laughs> sweep at it across the yeah. front of Moonwalk. the... Moonwalk. <laughs> no yes. questions. No questions. Your and witness. A, a brook of time you were in court. A time I was in court. I will tell a story of uh, winning over my father-in-law with a bad joke. Yes, of, uh So my husband is Jewish, and I did not grow up Jewish, and uh, went when we were dating, you know, but getting serious, went to a three-hour Rosh Hashanah service with his family. And, like, in the middle of it, you know, I just in my head was like, oh, man, I got a good joke. I'm going to do this. And I just met his parents and uh, I turned over and I said, excuse me, to his father. And I was like, "Uh, would you ask me if I'm enjoying services? And he said, okay, uh, are you enjoying services? And I said, hmm, shofar. (laughs) 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 Which uh, if you're Jewish, it will kill. Um, He uh, laughed really hard, but then made me repeat that joke to every family member for like the next (laughs) following week, which as you would imagine, did not go over as well, uh, you know. Oh, and again, this is going to get cut for time for sure. (laughs) But since we've already done a bunch of Steve Waltine hating, that makes me think of one of my favorites. Steve Waltine has many great stories, but one of my favorites, uh, he had a friend who is not in comedy but really enjoys comedy, right? And this friend went to a movie. Like, I don't remember the movie, but let's just call it Iron Man. That's not what it was, but it was a similar, like a huge movie that had just come out. We can all agree. Right. We can all pretend it was Iron Man. It might have been Iron Man too. No, he said huge movie. So this guy is at the movie Packed Theater, and for for some reason it just, who knows why, it comes over him to like yell a joke at the screen at a moment when (laughs) everything has kind of gone quiet. Like a guy says something, and he has like a witty rejoinder to it, and for whatever reason he says it loudly. And the theater... Like, who knows why exactly, the timing and everything. The theater loves it, like, as opposed to what you would normally think. And they crack up, and he gets this, like, you know, this huge laugh. And so that guy proceeded to buy a ticket (laughs) (laughs) to that same movie, like, four or five more times. Oh, no, four or five. To enjoy, because, again, it's not something Mm -hmm. that he did. You know, he didn't didn't have shows or anything. So it it was his way of enjoying that, like, feeling of just having a joke kill, and he knew it would work, and like, sure enough, played each time. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Saying the same series of words over and over again for laughs? I don't, I can't relate to that. <laughs> that guy is fucking brilliant. <laughs> That's so good. That's so funny. <laughs> is it, I've heard it attributed to you, Arnie, and I've heard it attributed to Jordan Klepper. Uh, in the improv community, there's a story where somebody had a friend who went to a bar, they got drunk, they went to the bathroom. Oh, I think, I, yeah. That they, might... they got drunk and they got sick. So that this person went into the bathroom of this bar, shoved open the stall door to puke. They shoved open the stall door, got down their knees and barfed, looked up, and they had barfed in a guy's lap who was sitting on the toilet. Oh, oh, oh this no. isn't me. But I they, got one like this, they, so they, buckle up, they, listeners. They, they got, so they barf in this person's lap. They look up, and in their head, they're like, I just barfed in this guy's lap while he's taking a shit. I'm going to get my ass kicked. So then the person punches the guy in the face on the toilet, knocks him out, and then leaves. So the guy wakes up having having experienced a guy burst into the stall, puke on his lap, and then knock him out. Oh, wow. No, that's... Uh, and, must- and that guy then went to bars. <laughs> like, did that every time. Did that same thing? Because it was just it a, it was an amazing oh. feeling. Who do you, here's my but question. It, but it could of be those a, two people, who has a better story? <laughs> Wait, you think that happened to Arnie or Jordan? I, I've heard it. Or it's a story since, like. Since I was a student in classes in 2007, I've heard that story. And I always heard that it was a friend of Jordan Klepper's. But then I told it in a car ride to a haunted house <laughs> two years ago. And somebody said, oh, that's Arnie Heekamp's. That was Arnie <laughs> But I said, it's a Jordan Klepper story. And then somebody goes, no, that's an Arnie Neekamp story. And I'm but like, it's Jordan punched Arnie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. But I'm like, I'm friends with Arnie. I would have heard that story if it was an Arnie a story. story. It's a friend of, a, of that yeah, person, yeah. not the actual person. Most of my crazy stories are like either a, my friend or a friend of mine told me this story. I, at first, I thought you were going to talk about a story 
that I remember hearing in college about a guy shitting his pants at a bar and going into the bathroom to get rid of like his underwear or whatever. I was like, his pants? No one will know. But he's getting rid of his underwear. pants. And as he was leaving, the bouncer came in and saw it mm-hmm. and like came back out to yell before the guy left like, hey, stop. <laughs> that guy shit his pants and put the underwear in the toilet. He tried to throw it out thinking no one would know. And his friends rallied to him in that moment and they're like, we got to turn this around. And they just picked him up and started parading him around the bar going, shit his pants, <laughs> shit his pants, shit his pants. And it, apparently it worked. Everybody was into it. Everybody loves an underdog. Yeah. This has been Behind the Tavern. <laughs> I think we've answered all the questions people might have had about those yeah. first two episodes. Really talked <laughs> we really got deep into it. The room was different. Uh, we were in the room at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the studio That's got right. redesigned. Redesigned. Right. We get to record here at the Cards Against Humanity yeah. uh, shared office space. The memory that I have of that was Arnie could not get the opening right. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it that was like, that continued. That continued. I mean, well, no change. I mean, it must have been, it was like 13 or 14 times mm-hmm. because it was, you know, it's complicated. Yeah. And you hadn't done it that many times yet, but it was just like take after take after take. And I thought, oh, is this like, a th- is it going to take like four hours for us to yeah. get through? Like <laughs> where we have to hit this thing. And then, uh, and then instead it, it was, uh, it got rolling. I remember I feel like that took, yeah. that was like 80 episodes that you would repeat it four or five times. I also, Around 80 episodes, maybe it was 75, was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Ryan told Arnie, Ryan, our audio engineer, told Arnie to clap in front of the mic. <laughs> so he's like, let me get a sound test. Could you clap in front of the mic? And Arnie went to clap and missed. <laughs> right? I think so. Like somehow he just went to clap and his hands missed. And it's like, how do you miss a clap? Guys, I'm And I just mess. remember crying, laughing, being like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, I don't remember. I was concentrating. It was very confusing to me. I don't know why. I'm not so different than my character after all. <laughs> the thin veil. It helped when I started actually saying it the same more or less every time instead mm-hmm. of like trying to keep it short but getting in the important details but sort of still trying to let it be spontaneous for a while. I guess the only detail from the first two episodes that's worth putting out is we mentioned the email address for the first time uh, magic tavern at puppies that supplies and me and ryan to georgie and evan jacover were trying to figure out what the funniest slash cheapest dumb email address domain we could get for that and we kind of came up with puppies that supplies still our number one email is a few times a day we get an email to the puppies that supplies that just says is this a real email we get a lot so, so you can tell good. when we have new listeners where it's oh, just absolutely. like that several times yeah. a day do you write back no <laughs> I've been recently thinking about the fact that I have started to feel bad that I have never once responded to an email from the from the thing. Like, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I've responded to a very, very small amount if it was a very uh, significant thing or a special circumstance or something or someone reaching out about wanting to advertise on the show. But it's sort of like starting this dialogue as this fictional quasi-fictional character and it just sort of seemed like if I answer some then I'm deciding which ones to answer uh someone pointed out recently I should set up an auto reply which I probably Hmm. should do wouldn't be that hard uh but the this is like could not be a more boring detail and yet I choose to share it (laughs) I was really invested in setting up that we had the email and then responding but I knew that that would take a while so in the first episode we recorded with Brooke, we mentioned the email address for the first time. And then minutes later, we recorded the one with Rush. But I had asked some people to give me what would be their email. They weren't fake emails, but I gave them like audio of the first two episodes and just asked them if they would have something. So the Matt DeMarco email from the fourth episode was, was that. Hmm. Now we know. Pretty interesting. And that's Shit, what they call in the pants. business <laughs> Shit, a Matt DeMarco. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It is incredibly late, and we all are adults who should be asleep mm. by now. Lady mm. of the Lake, it was so great to have you on. Oh, yes. <laughs> wait for it. I mean. <laughs> what would the Lady in the Lake's voice be? Oh, God. Um, give me a second. Let Rush tell a story while I think of. <laughs> I got uh, one more movie theater story. It's <laughs> 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 a good one. Well, now I got to hear it. Yeah, right, let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, so and I, then after I'm the story's sold. done, how does the lady in the lake respond? Do you to want me to story? say goodnight yeah. to everybody at yes. the lady in the lake? Yeah. Okay. I uh, I went to Wally 
you know, while it's a Pixar movie, obviously, and the Pixar movies have Easter eggs it, at the end, and it was freezing cold. <laughs> it was it was like Chicago in February, probably freezing cold, and it was packed. It was opening night for Wally, and at the end of the movie, every single person stays in their chair because you know we all know something's coming at the end, some Easter egg. And the only people that get up are these two women on, like, the center of the third row. And they have, like, multiple coats and purses and stuff. So it's taking them a long time, right, to get into their uh, into their gear. And they stand up, and this one woman just goes, Damn, if that robot can fall in love, you know I can. <laughs> and the whole... <laughs> And the the whole theater just clapped. The whole theater just laughed and then clapped. And that was that to me was the best Easter egg I ever got. And that woman just immediately went and bought five more tickets to that movie. That's right. That's right. Thanks for joining us. We've had such a nice time talking behind the scenes. I don't leave the lake much, but when I do, it's with my friends. Arnie, all our cats are drowned. (laughs) Oh, no. I ate them, cat lady, and I eat cats. Now that's a podcast. Behind the Tavern is produced by Arnie Niekamp, Matt Young, and Adel Rafai. Thanks to this episode's guests, Brooke Bright and Rush Howell. You can listen to Rush on the Here's the Situation podcast found on all your favorite podcast apps and follow the show at TJ and Rush on Twitter. Brooke would like you to buy Jackbox Games Party Pack 6, available now at jackboxgames.com. You can also see her perform with World News Tonight and improvise Shakespeare at the world-famous I.O. Theater. Post-production coordination by Garrett Schultz. Special assistance by Ryan DeGiorgi. This episode edited by Anna Hoverman. Behind the Tavern logo by Allard LeBon. If you want to check out more Behind the Tavern, then go to stitcherpremium.com and sign up for a free premium trial with the promo code MAGIC. And you'll want to do that right now because our next mini-series, I Am Spin Tax, the podcast, begins on November 21st. Go sign up. You'll get a month of listening without ads, access to our bonus episodes, and you'll be supporting the show. That's stitcherpremium.com with the promo code MAGIC. Enjoy, and I'll see you over on uh, Stitcher Premium. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.